today on the Blue Cord Podcast. I'm going to walk around my neighborhood. I'm just going to see who lives here. And so I just was walking the neighborhood and I was praying. Okay, God, you taught me to love you. You taught me to love my neighbors. What does that look like? How am I supposed to do this? And I just, I started noticing women wearing hijab. And it was this prompting of the Holy Spirit and of the Lord where he says, do you love her? I'm so glad you're here and enjoying your summer with us. This blue cord movement was birthed out of a scripture in the Old Testament in Numbers 15:37. It was a time when the Israelites had messed up again, and the Lord told Moses to tell the Israelites, "Make for yourself a tassel with a cord of blue and put it on the hem of your garments, so that every time you see it, you'll remember who I am, who you are in me, and what I called you to do." As a woman in this present culture, we also need to be reminded of these important truths. That's what this Blue Cord Podcast is all about. I'm your host, Karen Bajani, and if sharing your faith has been hard for you, and you long to be brave, strong, and courageous, this is for you. Today, I've invited my friend, Jen. She's going to share her experiences in learning to practically love her neighbors from another faith and culture. But before we do that, let's ground ourselves in some scripture. When a teacher of the law asked Jesus which commandment was the most important in Mark 12, Jesus quoted two verses. First from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then from Leviticus 19, 18, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jen, after taking part in a summer women's Bible study on biblical hospitality, I know you started asking yourself, what would it look like to love your neighbors? So tell us about that. Yes, I had just finished a Bible study and God had prompted me to think like, I love God. Yes, I love my neighbors. Yes. And I was like, well, I don't actually know who my neighbors are. I mean, is it my neighbors that look like me, talk like me, act like me, or is it just every person that's geographically around me. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to walk around my neighborhood. We had just moved to a new neighborhood. I didn't know anyone. I wanted to meet new people. I wanted to make new friends. And it had been a long time since I'd been at school. And now I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to walk around my neighborhood. I'm just going to see who lives here. And so I just was walking the neighborhood and I was praying. Okay, God, you taught me to love you. You taught me to love my neighbors. What does that look like? How am I supposed to do this? And I just, I started noticing women wearing hijab. And it was this prompting of the Holy Spirit and of the Lord where he says, do you love her? And I said, well, yeah. And then I kept walking and then I saw another Muslim family and he's like, do you love them? Do you love those neighbors? And I said, yes. (laughs) I'm living in this really, really diverse neighborhood and I know I'm supposed to love my neighbors, but I don't know how. (laughs) Like I'm just a stay at home mom. I don't know how to do that. And what does that look like? So that's where I was stuck for a little bit. So what was it like before you moved into this neighborhood? Who were your neighbors? So most of the time, just like you said earlier, when you were describing the blue cord, I grew up in a small town. Most of my neighbors were Christian, if not all of them. And I do have some history with my dad and where he grew up and things like that. But for the most part, my friends, if not all of them were evangelical Christians. And then I became a mom and I was like, I had Christian mom friends. And and so these are who my friends were and who my people that I was around, my neighbors. And so being in the neighborhood where I live now, we're all different. And now what do I do? Yeah. Well, how did you feel when you realized that you were living in a really diverse neighborhood? You know how if you've grown up in the church, they tell you, you know, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And, and But 
We're like, how do you do that? Do I have to like go to Jordan to do that? Like, do I have to move to the Middle East or do I have to move to China or do I have to do any of those things? And so the feeling that I was reminded of, I'm seeing all these people and God's saying, you need to love your neighbor. That's what Jesus said. Love God, love your neighbor. And so if that's what I'm supposed to do, then if my neighbors are Muslim, then I need to love them. I felt a sense of, I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) but I also felt God's prompting and God doesn't call us to things and he won't call us to something without equipping us to do this thing. And so I had to lean into him and say, what do I do? How do I do this? Yeah. Okay. So were any of your friends at the time talking about this? They had an idea of what it looked like to be a neighbor, but if you live in suburbia, a lot of the people there are professing Christians for the most part. So me moving into the neighborhood that I'm living in, it was very different than my friends. They didn't have a lot of diversity in their neighborhoods like me. So I felt like, God, how do I do this? So a little bit on an island by yourself and you're pressing into the Lord and you've got kids at home in that process. <laughs> yeah. So how long were you in this wrestling with the Lord? Like, what does this look like? And what next step did you take in the middle of all of that? So realizing who my neighbors are, and I'm an intellectual kind of person, and I love learning. And, you know, simultaneously, God is teaching me about my neighbors and who my neighbors are and, you know, that I'm supposed to love them. But, you know, being a stay-at-home mom, I have two little boys, and I was very educated. I had a career before I was a stay-at-home mom. And I don't know if there's anyone like me, but I felt like my brain was kind of going to mush because I went from doing very (laughs) complex things to ABCs. And so I was like, I need something. And, you know, I'm asking the Lord, do I go back to school? What do I do? And in the same process, God dropped Arabic in my lap. And I know that sounds crazy. Wait, wait, (laughs) did you say Arabic? God dropped Arabic on your lap? Okay, tell us about that. (laughs) Yes, yes. So the language learning became something that God prompted me. And it it was just one of those things. And I was like, Arabic, like of, of Arabic, of like all things, like what? So I looked into some books and I got some things and pretty soon, like I realized that I was like, okay, this is way harder (laughs) to to learn on your own if you don't have native speakers to talk to. (laughs) Yes, it is. My husband speaks natively and it's hard for me to learn it as well. Yes, yes. And so I was like, okay. And it was almost like God was preparing myself and preparing my heart and my mind and preparing the place an entrance, a door. And I didn't realize that Arabic was going to be a door. And I just thought it was something like God's like, learn Arabic. It'll help your brain. It'll help you be excited about learning about something. But it was to that point where I needed help. And God was like, you got a lot of people in your neighborhood that could help you. And I was like, huh. So now what? (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Well, I can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat. So you're starting to learn Arabic. You've got little ones at home. Arabic is hard to learn. I know I I did a couple of semesters in college taking Arabic and without those native speakers to speak with, that's a problem. And so what did you do? So as like most of us were on some sort of social media app and I realized, you know, that my neighborhood had a social media app and I was like, okay, I'm just going to get on this social media app and I'm going to ask if there's any native Arabic speaking women who wouldn't mind having tea with me. I typed it in there. I'm I'm serious. I typed it in there and I said a prayer. I was like, like, Lord, like if I'm supposed to meet these women in my neighborhood this way, like you've prompted me to, then Lord, make it happen. And I hit submit and it got posted. (laughs) So at that moment, were you like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Exactly. I was thinking, wait, 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 what's happening? Like, did I just do that? (laughs) (laughs) So what happened? Did anybody respond? Surprisingly, four women 
from different places with different languages, but four women responded. And one of them invited all of us to have tea at her house. And within a couple of days, I was sitting across the living room from four Muslim women who were very curious why this American-born, westernized lady (laughs) was interested in their language. And it was in that moment where I'm sitting there drinking tea, God says, here's your door. (laughs) And I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. (laughs) Like there's, okay, okay, okay. So we talked and it was just, it was lovely and we were all moms and we had a lot of things in common and we all liked cooking and food. And it was just this beautiful picture And it helped me not be so apprehensive about others that don't look like me or talk like me or even raise their kids like me, but that we all loved our kids. We all loved our neighborhood. We all loved living where we lived. We all loved cooking. And all of us had careers before we were moms. And it was this beautiful binding between these four Muslim women and me where relationships started to build beyond that tea. And uh, one specific relationship, she was really involved with refugees with her mosque. And I didn't know anything really about refugees, really. I had, I knew, you know, the word and I knew that they came into the United States, but I didn't know what that looked like. And she asked me, she's like, do you want to go meet some refugees? And I, without even questioning, I was like, yes. I was like, when are we going to do this? <laughs> you know, cause I'm like, if God is opening doors, I'm going to take them. And so I, you know, within a week of that, we were having tea on the floor with an Afghani family who had just come to America and I'm sitting there drinking tea and God again prompts, you know, me through the Holy spirit. Do you love these neighbors? These. And so that started me thinking, okay, well, yes. So practically loving my neighbor is, you know, hanging out with them. It means two or three hours of tea. It could mean helping their kid with their homework because it's in English and the parents can't help. It looks like helping take someone to the doctor's because their husband's working and they need to go see a physician, but they don't have a ride. And it was like practical things that God was like, you know, these are the steps of this biblical hospitality that you learned about. These are the relationship building things to be in a point where you can share my love for them to them. And it was beautiful. So I'm just curious, how did that first tea change you? Oh, gosh. In so many ways, just stop for a second and just be with people. I know that in the West, we're very like, go, go, go. We have an agenda. We we, we have things we need to do. And just sitting in that tea, realizing that sitting with someone in their life and learning about them and drinking tea and sharing a moment with someone is far greater than getting to an agenda or getting to, to do something. And that's, you know, because my culture is very driven that way sitting down and just being was something that I learned with them. But also just learning, like I said, you know, earlier about loving someone who doesn't look like me or act like me or talk like me. And yet we are still loved by God. And just looking at these beautiful, beautiful women and God is saying, love them the way that I do. I tell people this all the time that God loves a Muslim the same the day before they come to Christ as the day after. And if God loves them that way, then I need to, too. Whether regardless they come to faith in Jesus or not, I'm going to love them wholeheartedly. If God brings them into my life, then I'm supposed to love them. Those were all of those things. There are things that I have learned just from 
doing that one T and then walking them where God has led in this whole process. So now you're putting yourself out there. You've had this experience with the tea. You've met this Afghani family and you began to take next steps. So what did that look like for you? So hanging out with this Afghani family and, you know, and and my neighbor who does a lot of work with refugees through her mosque, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I wonder if my city has organizations that are faith-based Christian organizations that are being led by the Holy Spirit and by the Lord to love refugees. There has to be a Christian organization that does this. And so I got onto Google, like everybody does when you want to find something. And I did. And I found an organization that works with refugees. They partner with a government agency and they do exactly what this mosque is doing. And I got plugged in there. And so, you know, that was three years ago. I've met so many families that way and being invited into my neighbor's homes and things like that. But another facet of that is working with refugees. So not only am I working with people that are here, have moved here, have immigrated here, but now I'm working with people that are coming here from trauma, coming here from a place of pain and fear and coming to America and being able to be that first American friend for them, that loving American, because a lot of them, you know, come here to America thinking, you know, things that they have you know, learned about America, America is this and Americans are this and are that or whatever. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And so being able to push past that with them helps to build friendships and trust with that. My neighbors, yeah, they may live across the street from me, but they may be getting off an airplane from Afghanistan tomorrow. They're my neighbor too. So I have a curious question for you, Jen. In this process of loving your neighbors, one of the greatest challenges I've seen many Christian women walk through as they start this journey of dipping their toe in the water and learning to love their neighbors from another faith and culture is just pouring themselves out in love and yet holding back from declaring God's glory and sharing their biblical faith or about Jesus. So tell me about that. Have you had opportunities as you're loving Part of loving is to point people to Jesus. So how does that look? Tell us a recent story. So just like a lot of people, like it's really easy to be friends with someone and hang out with them. But we get to that moment where, you know, the Holy Spirit is saying, you tell them about God and you tell them about his son. And a lot of us just kind of stop right there because we're like, oh, we don't want to offend anyone. Oh, we don't want this relationship to end. Uh, 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 uh." We have all these like things that we hold back, like you said. And I had all of those two, all of them. And one of the most loving things we can do for someone is, yes, be their friend. Yes, be there for them, help them, be trustworthy, be someone they can depend on. But also loving someone is also loving them through the way that God loved us. Yes, God loved us when we were sinners, but Christ died for us and he died for them too. And if we don't open our mouths and tell them and share that truth with them, are we really getting past just being a friend and loving our, our neighbor as our friend? Are we loving them as ourselves? Because the Lord loves us through his son, Christ Jesus. Are we, are we doing that too? I would say that it took about a year and a half to get to where I was in a conversation with someone where they were interested in things that I was sharing with them. One of the relationships that comes to mind is a woman and her husband, and she has two kids. She was here as a refugee. I was at their house every week, having tea, hanging out. My kids were hanging out with her kids. And it was just this really beautiful relationship. And her husband started to get really sick. He was getting some sort of skin irritation. I left their house and I'm driving home and God's like, you need to pray for them. 
like it's this thought in my mind, I need to pray for them. And I'm like, okay, cool. God, I got this. I can pray for them. And it was this prompting. It was like, no, you need to go pray for them. Like in their house, pray for his healing in Jesus name. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> can I hear you? Right. I know I'm supposed to, but really? Okay. So I don't want to offend this family. They're very conservative Muslims. I don't want to be that jerk. That's like, now I'm in your home and now I'm going to pray for you. That was my thinking. I was like, I don't want to push too much. And so I just, I called her and I said, Hey, I know that your husband's sick. Would it be okay if I prayed for him? And she says, Oh yes, 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 yes. Pray for him. I said, um, can I come to your house and pray for him? And she said, sure. (laughs) And I said, I pray in Jesus name. Is, is that a problem? And she says, Oh no, 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 it's fine. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So, you know, so I'm thinking like, okay, I'm like getting hyped up. I'm like, God, you're asking me to go to this guy's house. Like I'm going to pray for him. He's going to be healed. It's going to be this amazing thing. A couple of days before I went, I was like fervently praying like, God, you know, I'm going to be going to this house, like open doors, whatever means Lord that you have to bring them to you, make it happen. And so I go to their house and, you know, I pray and I say, amen. And they say, amen. And we're, we're just staring at each other. And I'm like thinking, going, okay, God, what are you going to do? I'm so excited. You do something big. And to be honest, when the husband said, thanks for praying. And he got up and he's like, I have to go to work. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So he gets up and leaves to go down the hallway. And I'm sitting there with the wife. We're kind of making small talk. And she, she kind of leans in close and she says, you pray different. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you pray like God is your friend. And I was like, well, he is my friend. She's like, no, 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 no. You talk to him like he hears you. <laughs> and I said, but he does. I mean, he, he does. And then I said, do you want to pray together again sometime? And she's like, yes, yes, yes. I mean, she was very excited. And I said, would you like to learn how you can pray to Allah? You can pray to him in a way that you know that he loves you and that he hears you. And she got really quiet and she like leaned her body over to look down the hallway. Like she was checking for her husband. Where is he at? And she comes back and she says, yes. And I said, you know, when do you want to do this? Do you want to meet or, or what do you want to do? And she says, can we meet at night? And I said, at your house? And she's like, no, 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 like FaceTime or Skype or whatever. And I said, yeah, what time? And again, she leans down the hallway again and peers down the hallway to see if her husband's there. And she leans back. She's like, can we do it at 10 p.m.? And I was like, 10 10 p.m.? I was like, yes. I mean, it could have been 2 a.m. I don't care. (laughs) But like, she was like 10 p.m. And I was like, yes, let's do this. So I lovingly started calling her my Nicodemus because she'd come to me in the middle of the night to ask me questions. And so we met for about five or six weeks together. And we would talk about prayer. We would talk about why I view God this way and why she views him that way and how my relationship with the Lord is different than hers and how that is. And she was very interested, but there was this withholding, this kind of the stubborn perseverance of like, I'm a Muslim, but I can't be doing what you're doing, but I want to do what you're doing because you seem like God hears you. And sometimes I don't think God hears me. So Jen, this is an ongoing story and listeners, you can be praying for the situation that she comes to know the Lord. And I know listeners, as you are listening to what was happening as Jen was inviting her into prayer and you might be thinking, hey, I can do that too. I want to just share with you a resource that might be helpful to you. And that is a book called Muslims 
Five Biblical Essentials, and it's by Renaud Bijani. And inside there, there are chapters of stories, just like what Jen is sharing right now, as well as some really practical things that will empower you and embolden you when you are in situations just like what Jen shared. So Jen, that is a remarkable story. I'm on the edge of my seat because I want to see how the story continues and how it transpires. Are there any last thoughts that you'd love to share with our listeners today? One of the things that I learned from my Muslim neighbors is come with me and and come see. Meaning my Muslim neighbor, I didn't know anything about refugees. She invited me. She said, come with me. I'm already doing this. Come and see, come with me kind of thing. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, we should be utilizing that too. And so there are lots of my friends, my church friends that have been like, hey, come with me and have tea with my friend. And they've never sat across the table drinking tea with the Muslim before. And it's the first time. And it's that same principle of just come and see, like come with me. And I think for those of us who don't know even what to do or where to go, there are people that you probably know that are doing this, that you can say, you know what? Hey, the next time you go visit this family, can I come? Or like, hey, you're reading this book. What is it called again? Can I read it too? And if I have questions, can I ask you? It's just being willing and open to go in through any door that the Lord has. I had no idea Arabic was going to be a door (laughs) and I walked through it. And so just being open, even if the door looks crazy, that God has a purpose for all things and for all people. And he wants to use us. That's the most beautiful part about this whole thing is God's unveiling his gigantic kingdom story. And he's using people, stay at home moms like me and moms like you and men who are in businesses and things like that. He wants to use us exactly where we are and he's going to bring the harvest to us because that's what he's doing. Mm, I love this. You shared this with me and you said something like, wherever God is now at work, I want to be right there. Oh, yeah. I want to be right there. And that is my prayer for every one of our listeners today. So Jen, thank you so much for joining me today and just sharing your experience and inviting everyone all over the world to just come and see, come be part of this incredible opportunity to expand God's kingdom here on earth and declare his glory among the nations who do not know him. And so as we close out our time together today, I want to leave you listener with one thing to think about and talk about with your faith-filled friends this week, and that is this. Are you willing to love your neighbors? And if so, what is a practical next step for you? Do you need to start praying and telling the Lord, just like Jen did, that you are willing to love your neighbors? Maybe you've already been doing that. And it's time for you to take that next step like Jen did, like posting on a neighborhood app that you want to have conversations and tea. Whatever that next step looks like for you, are you willing to do that? Just go and get started. Or maybe it's time for you like Jen to take another woman by the hand and go do it together. Whatever it is, wherever you are, just start. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen. To get more involved in The Blue Cord, start small. Read my book, The Blue Cord, and sign up now to get my e-newsletter at thebluecord.org.